Praise the Lord, it is chat time once again. And now this week, we're going to continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So it's time for our little segment that, that's called, Did You Ever Wonder? Did you ever wonder where this phrase came from? Broken heart. People say it all the time. Having a broken heart doesn't mean that your heart is physically broken. It just means that you are in great sorrow and despair. And that comes from Psalms 34, verse 18. And it reads, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Now you know. Right. But you know, they also said that people can actually die from a broken heart, that it actually has a physical effect? It does. It does. I mean, if anybody has ever had a broken heart, you just feel like you're about to die. And sometimes you literally die. You, you feel like, you know, you because just... Because they used to think it was a myth. Mm. And then they started a, a, a research on it, and, and they said, lo and behold, there were people who were actually passing away because of a broken heart. 
looking at something. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wanted to uh, continue our discussion about being saved and about the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit and um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want to do a couple of current events first. And someone sent this to me. It's from a Christian post. And there's a Chicago school that's responding to a video that is showing the dean of that school bragging about passing around sex toys in a classroom. Why? What's wrong it's with an people? elite school at the center of a recently released undercover video by Project Veritas is denouncing the way that its dean was portrayed in the video, claiming that he was misquoted when he's shown talking about passing out sex toys during class. Hmm. Uh, Francis, did he talk about it or did he actually do Francis that? Francis W. Parker School, which is a private K-12 academic institution in Chicago, Illinois, garnered controversy when the Project Veritas released a video recently showing a school official talking about handing out sex he's toys. He's talking to about So it. he's talking about So it shows... Uh, Joseph Bruno, Dean of Students at Parker School, talking about how during so-called Pride Week, his school has an LGBT resource center, and uh, they came to the classrooms and engaged in passing out butt plugs and dildos Why to in the world would they do this to children? As well as talking about queer sex using lube versus spit. Oh, my God. Oh my word. Just That's like, just stupid. They're passing these items around and kids are just playing with them, looking at them. Uh, they're like, how does this butt plug work? <laughs> <laughs> how do we... Oh my God. How do we do like, how does this work? That's uh, really... <laughs> it's stupid. And uh, Bruno said that during Pride Week, a drag queen was brought into the classroom uh. to pass out cookies and brownies and I photos. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, if you look it up, they say that the video contains language of a graphic what did the parents do? nature. That's what I would like to know. So um, in August, the, the Project Veritas posted the video showing the assistant principal at Cos Cobb Elementary School of Greenwich Connecticut saying he would refuse to hire Catholics or conservatives solely because of their beliefs. And he was quoted in August in the video as saying that he would not hire someone over the age of 30 because they will never change. And that he doesn't want to hire a teacher who sides with the parent on various issues. So what are the parents doing then if you got such a, a moron over your children? Somebody who's definitely a groomer. Uh, um, I'm not sure what the parents are doing. I know that a spokesperson for the school emailed the Christian Post a statement in which the academic institution said that it cares deeply about the health and well-being and development of our students. They're lying. Programs designed to help cultivate physical and emotional well-being as well as a strong sense of belonging and are central to our mission. And just produce psychosis and... and dysphoria as far as uh, gender identity, they, they're lying. Well, in this article, it doesn't say 
what the parents are doing, but I can only imagine. So here, another article. This came from the New York Post. A Texas judge tossed out the very first lawsuit filed under the state's controversial abortion ban. Bexar County Judge Haas dismissed a lawsuit filed by a Chicago attorney against Dr. Alan Braid of San Antonio after the doctor wrote in a Washington Post op-ed that he had intentionally violated the state's abortion law just days after it took effect in September. The law bans abortions after roughly six weeks into pregnancy and allows civil suits against anyone who aids or abets an unlawful abortion for a minimum of $10,000 in damages. Hmm. In the opinion piece published September 18, Braid wrote that he performed the procedure on a woman more than six weeks into her pregnancy because I had a duty of care to this patient, as I do for all patients, and because she has a fund fundamental right to receive this care. I fully understand that there could be legal consequences but I wanted to make sure that Texas didn't get away with its bid to prevent this blatantly unconstitutional law from being tested. So the judge ruled from the bench that a person who is not directly affected by the abortion procedure had no standing to sue an abortion provider. Okay, I can understand that, and this is why I say it, but even though I commend the person for trying, but it would open up a type of what they call, what I call the red law for uh, abortions. You would have people, everybody under the sun suing so that they can get ahead financially, not because they're concerned about the baby or the mother, but it's like, uh, it reminds me of communist China or Russia. It's like neighbors spying and turning in neighbors, mm -hmm. but they will be doing that because it's a financial motive behind it. So I can understand that. Well, anyway, the Chicago attorney said that, um, who filed the charges, or the lawsuit, said that he is filing a notice of appeal. So we're gonna have to see how far that goes. So um, we've been talking about getting saved and how you get saved, how, uh, what's necessary in order to get saved. And we were talking about um, you can't just do the sinner's prayer. Without faith and total commitment, because if you do the way the Lord said do it, you will receive a miraculous conversion. This simple repeating and reciting of words will not lead you to salvation. And I was listening to some minister or preacher on the radio today, on my way over here, and uh, at the end of the at, at the end of the um, what, the speech or whatever he was doing, you know the they all asked people to you know if you've never been saved and if you believe to stand up and confess, and then they were talking about so if you've done that, you're now saved and welcome to the family. And they kept saying that over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And um, if you let them know, either by text or go online, 
then you can, they'll send you some uh, information mm. about being saved and, and everything. But um, mm. we have been talking about how it's not the only thing that you need. It's got to be what's in your heart. You can get caught up in emotion at the moment. Right, and it's, it's by faith and you're doing a person a disservice because you basically, you're declaring something that isn't, it's not true. So a person knows, they, there's just no way a person does not know when God has saved them because it's a miraculous event. Now, in this day and age of unbelief, lack of faith, antichrist spirit, a spirit of blasphemy, a spirit of idol worship, they try to discredit the event of, the, of a person's spiritual birth. They try to downplay it. They try to dummy down the fact that a person has been rescued and converted and made a brand new creature. They try to make it seem as if it's something that's just casual, and it's not. And so when you surrender your heart to God, I guarantee there is just no way that you cannot know that the Holy Ghost has come in and taken control. Well, today I want to talk about can a person be saved through just a general revelation? And what I mean by that is that a general revelation can be defined as a Revelation of God to all people at all times and in all places that reveals that God exists, that he is intelligent, he's powerful, transcendent, um, that you're just learning about the Lord. Scriptures such as Psalms 19 and Romans 1 state that certain things about God can be understood from his creation around us. Uh, creation reveals God's power and majesty, but it does not reveal the plan of salvation through Christ. There is only salvation in Jesus' name, and you can find that in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And therefore, a person cannot be saved simply just by knowing. You know, it reminds, this, um, reminds me of... Um, someone I worked for, and they said that they can go out into the um, I don't know, woods or whatever and look at everything, and they just know that there's a God because, well, of course you know that there's a God because God created everything, but that doesn't save you. That, that didn't save him. Right. I, I believe if a person comes to a general revelation, though, and in their heart, they suddenly realize, say, a person was an atheist. And then somehow by somebody's testimony or witnessing a miracle or just have, waking up one day and having a thirst for something, saying, I know there's more out there. And they get a general revelation of God, that thirst for truth. Lord will fix it so that that individual will receive the word so that that person can receive salvation. They so you're will not saying, be left hanging. So you're saying a general revelation that um, a, a person just comes and acknowledges, yes, there is a God. God exists. No, more than that. That a person comes to the realization that, yes, there is a God. 
God exists. Lord, I need to show me. Lord, I need to know more. Their faith comes alive. And, says, and, and they begin to open up their heart to the Lord because now they realize God is. Because the Lord said, you have first believe that I am, that God is. And not that people would know that scripture, but just by the mere exercising of their faith, they fulfill that scripture. And they say, Lord, I, you're real. And God sees that that person is pouring out their heart and by faith, believing and trusting in him, he'll move heaven and earth to make sure that that person receive salvation. All right, what about the example of Cornelius? Um, Cornelius knew about God. He knew that um, God was, and Cornelius was God-fearing, mm -hmm. and he gave generously to those in need. I, I believe that he prayed oh, yes, because he, to God. He converted to, basically, to Judaism. He, he, he saw that God was, is, and yet he knew that he being a Gentile, he was the one that would have to worship in the outer court. He knew that he wasn't <clears throat> Jewish, but he, you convert. There were a lot of Gentiles that converted to Judaism. So he did not get saved based on the limited knowledge he had. The Lord sent someone to him. Right. To tell him about the Lord. Right. So, um, it was Peter that was told by God to go talk to Cornelius. Mm -hmm. And um, and see, this, this, the reason why the Lord did it that way was because Peter was under the, the impression, like a lot of the Jewish people, because there were people who were converting to Judaism, and then they were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they were converting to Judaism first. And then when the Lord saw that Cornelius had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost without converting to Judaism in the traditional sense, you know, where he just they just witnessed to him and the Holy Ghost fell upon him and his family, then they realized that the Holy Ghost was for everyone. And because prior to that, they actually felt that you had to convert to Orthodox Judaism. And so when I said that, that Cornelius was basically converted to Judaism, I mean, he practiced Judaism. He practiced it, but he realized he was a Gentile, but he believed there was but one God. He prayed, he did as much as he could. His faith was alive. And I'm saying when God sees that your faith is there. And that's when he, the Lord sent Peter right. to Cornelius and then he told him about the gospel. Right. Told him about the Lord. And Cornelius. him and his family. And they believed. See, and there they, was no struggle. There was no debate. There was no questioning. They opened up their heart and said, yes, and Lord. And they all believed. And that's how Cornelius and his household were saved. Right. So not even a good man like Cornelius if can be saved by just knowing that God exists or honoring God in a certain way the only way is self, the only way to salvation is the gospel right believing believing that in, in Jesus exercising your faith and and see that's with all of us the only way to the lord it's through Jesus. The only way through, to Jesus is through faith. Once you exercise your faith, then God, put every, he'll put everything else in motion. So if you read John 3, 16, it says that faith in the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. Right. Now, when people come up with these, they think they're coming up with these situations and scenarios that are 
typically impossible. What if a person is on a mountain? What if a person is in the, some remote region of the world? Right. And what if this... What if I they said, never I, heard I don't it. care if they're on the moon. And they could be circling Venus. If they exercise their faith, God will see to it that they have a way to salvation. He will open up that door. You won't have to worry about it. And when you receive salvation, a devil in hell cannot convince you that you have not been born again because it is miraculous. So what I want to know, is the baptism necessary for salvation? The, the, I mean, it's an outward sign of, uh, that's of something that God has done in your life. It's a visible sign. It should be, I mean, a lot of times it's your first act of witness and in baptism, you're telling the whole world what God has done for you. Well, I think, well, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with, and before you're baptized, evidently, it's not, you don't have to be water baptized in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I think as far as your walk in the Lord, to continue on in faith, we make that declaration because there would be, to me, something that would be inherently wrong with somebody who would refuse to be baptized in the name of Jesus, seeing that Jesus himself was baptized. So the meaning of baptism symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection. And, resurrection. and um, which is why the church, as a rule, Baptize, baptizes it by immersion. Right. And um, it, it symbolizes that you're dying to your old life, you're burying it, and the resurrection of Christ, and it shows the death of the, the old sinner in the one that's being baptized. So your, your old self is dying and being buried, and you're being resurrected as a new creature. Right. So that's like a, a, a visible uh, testimony and witnessing of your walk with Christ. So you can get salvation. You can get saved before you're baptized. You don't have to have a water baptism in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is salvation. But I think if a person refuses to get baptized, I don't know how long they would be walking with Christ because something would be wrong with their declaration of faith. Now, could it also represent like the first resurrection of how you died and then God comes back and then by you have by the person having the Holy Spirit, you it quick you rise up. Right, like she was saying, it's your your death, burial, resurrection, the first resurrection. Because we know there's more than one resurrection. So we want to rise in the morning. We want the first resurrection unto life. Well, Jesus commanded the Christians to go and baptize everyone. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, mm -hmm. and of the Holy Spirit. Right, which is the name of Jesus. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Right. So, and then he adds in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Right. Which now, is where so, your faith comes. Right. And so a lot of times uh, when, when the people 
read that scripture, they're thinking water baptism. I'm thinking baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that, but, but your walk in Christ, as you continue on in Christ, that's what the water baptism is for. So if a person rejects that, then they reject the prophecy. They reject their, their own uh, door that, that is open to them for eternal life. So it wouldn't make any sense. And, and you're right, baptism does not save you, although it does save some people. You know, when no, they go the Holy down Spirit saves. The... Yeah, it's not the baptism. Their faith comes alive, and by that, by them being baptized in the water, their faith becomes alive. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and saves them. But that testimony that a person provides when they get get the water baptism to me is is necessary for their continued walk in Christ. Because you're saying I'm I'm living this life for a reason. Because he said, if there was no hope, if there was no resurrection unto life eternal, he said, we would be miserable, and we would. Can you imagine? So if, for whatever reason, you are unable to be baptized, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but mm -hmm. you are unable, for whatever reason, to not be able to be immersed in water and baptized. The Lord, like, just like the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. The Lord is God understands it. your circumstances and right. knows your heart and knows your faith and knows where you are. Right. Um, it's not like you're refusing. Right. But, you know, the thief on the cross said, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And he was saved. And he said. And, yes. and that's the same with any person if they are unable to be saved. If they're unable to be baptized, I mean, uh, baptized. In, in water. In water. But the Lord will baptize them with the Holy Spirit. So I want to continue next week with a question. Will there be a second chance for salvation after death? So <laughs> think about that until next week. Yes, praise the Lord. And let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from Psalm 94. Verses 20, 21, and 22. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, when the angel told the shepherds that a Savior was born in the city of David. What sign did the angel say they would find? And the answer is a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that can be found in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And it reads, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This week's food for thought is... When Peter said to the lame man sitting at the gate of the temple beautiful, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. How did Peter lift up the lame man? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.